God bless you, Nita. Thank you so very much. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord? It really is. See, this is, I mean, you know, Christmas is really cool, but this is really what the crux of the gospel is all about. It is this, is this death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to speak to you this morning from Acts chapter 2, and the message is entitled, The Great Uh-Oh. And speaking of uh-ohs, we didn't take the offering. Have no fear, we are Baptists and we have a plan. Our ushers, if you will please man the doors, and we'll have the plates there. Because, listen, not because we've got to take the offering, but because we know offering and giving is an act of worship. And we would not want to leave out any facet of the wonderful worship of our holy God. So, you know, uh-ohs. Uh-ohs. Now, let, let me tell you the time uh-oh is cute. If you have children, you understand this. So, your kid is like, I don't know, like maybe like seven or eight months old maybe. And he's sitting in the high chair. And he takes a piece of bread or a cup or something. He leans over that and drops it. And we all say, uh-oh. And he smiles. So he does it again and again. And, he, and he, probably for the only time in his life, people laugh at an uh-oh. But it doesn't always stay that way, does it? Later on, and an uh-oh is something that we didn't really mean to do, but we did. And, and some uh-ohs like have like huge consequences. Some have smaller consequences. But what we learned in life is the uh-ohs of life, when we do something, we didn't think about it, an uh-oh, they have these, these consequences. You know, it's like four guys. You know, four guys. Four guys were in college, and they were really good. They were good students. And, you know, they never skipped school. They never missed out in class. But, but there were, it's toward the end of the, of the semester, and it's a beautiful spring day, and they decided that they would skip out on class. And there was a test that day, unfortunately. And so they went, you know, and they had a good time, and they, they came back in. They, they decided they would, you know, tell the professor that they had a flat tire. And so sure enough, they, hey, you know, they all came and said, Professor, we were out riding, you know, and we had this flat tire, and because of the flat tire, we missed class. And so the professor said, not a problem at all. You guys are good students, and I know you'd have been here if you could have been, so not a problem. Come back tomorrow, and I'll give you a makeup exam. And sure enough, they showed up the class, and, and the professor took each one to a different room and, and gave them a copy of the test. And he said, now, there's only one question on the test, pass, fail. And they said, this is going to be a cinch. And they opened the paper up, and it reads, which tire? And they all went, uh-oh. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. The consequences get bigger and bigger for our uh-ohs. And, and now sometimes, if you'll show the picture that we've got, you know, sometimes uh-ohs are sweet. Like, have you saw this before? The Oreo uh-ohs. Now, this was planned, I'm sure. But as you know, if you're a cookie eater, uh, of course, me being a healthy person, I would know. I've just heard this. I don't, I don't know anything about cookies, okay? But, but anyway, you know that Oreos have the chocolate chocolate with the white in the middle. And the Oreo company, Nabisco, got the idea of having an uh-oh Oreo, and it had vanilla on the outside and the chocolate in the middle. And you know what? Sometimes consequences can have sweet results. Generally speaking, there isn't. So today we want to talk about a great uh-oh that because of the power of God had some wonderful consequences at the end. Our preacher today, our, our storyteller today, our speaker in the gospel today is a guy named Peter. And we all identify, we like Peter. Everybody goes, oh yeah, I like the Peter guy. And you know why? Because Peter was a guy that had a lot of 
oaths. Like, for instance, a time when Jesus came walking on the water and Peter said, hey, if it's really you, let me come out on the water. And Peter said, or Jesus said, come on. So Peter jumped out of the boat. He's doing really good. He's got his eyes on Jesus. You know, he's ignoring the big waves and stuff. But all of a sudden, he kind of looks around the big waves and says, what am I doing out here on the water? And as soon as he does, he starts to sink. And Peter said, yeah, he said, oh, and he began to sink. He said, oh, Jesus, save me. And you know what? Jesus reached out and took his hand and took him back to the boat. Of course, the biggest uh-oh, of course, was, you know, when he buried the boat, all these other guys, they're going to forsake you. But I want you to know something. God, I'm not going to forsake you. Jesus, I'll never deny you. I'm on there. She said, wait, whoa, whoa, Peter, Peter, wait. You know, before the cock crows, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter said, now, come on, Jesus. You know, I'm your butt. Well, they arrested him and... And Peter went, uh-oh, uh-oh. We all have these uh-ohs. Well, the, the, the nation of Israel had an uh-oh, <laughs> a big one. Look, look at Acts chapter 2 with me. Acts chapter 2, verse number 22. Now, let me kind of give you the, the timeline. We've already had Good Friday. Jesus has died. He laid in the tomb on Saturday. Sunday morning, sometime after the Jewish midnight, he arose from the dead. He's in tomb for, for part of a day and part of a day and a day, making three total days. And then, then he arose from the dead. He walks with them for 40 days. Okay, you got to say 40 days. 40 days. He walked. Now, you have to excuse me. I have been preaching to Africans, and they're very participatory, okay? All right, so for 40 days, okay, he walked on the face of the earth. And finally, he said, here's the, here's, the, here's the main deal. I want you to go and tell the gospel to everybody. Okay, that's what it's all about. I want you to baptize them. And I want you to teach them everything I taught you. And boom, he goes to heaven. Two weeks later, so now we're talking about almost about 50 days. They're in the upper room. And, and, and Jesus said, Jesus said now, you're going to get this power, and this power is going to come upon you and enable you to be this witness. And they're up there praying, you know, you know, Jesus and God and Jesus and God. And all of a sudden the Bible says like a wind blew through the room and like clothes of fire. What well, was like clothes of fire came down, and they all received the gift of the Holy Spirit and started speaking in a tongue they didn't know. Now, it's not like an unknown tongue. I want you to understand this. It wasn't like an unknown tongue. It was like a tongue, the ability to speak in a language they did not speak, which was really cool. Okay, so, so they're out there, and they have this unique ability to speak. Now, because it was Pentecost, Jerusalem was filled, the Bible says, with Jews and Jewish converts from all over the known world. They're there, kind of like Acts 1-8 says. It's like a, a mini Acts 1-8. And all of a sudden, the guys start going, wait a minute, these guys are Galileans. And yet, I know this Galilean, he doesn't speak this language, and I'm able to hear him. How is it that they're able to speak our language. And then, then some guy said, I know these guys and it has nothing to do with language as the boys are drunk. And Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. Mr. O said, wait a minute. These guys aren't drunk as you think. No. He said, this is a fulfillment. And he goes back and quotes the prophet Joel about in the latter days that the, the young men and old men will have dreams and visions and God will pour his spirit out on people. He goes, that's what has happened. And so then, and then he, he goes into this great sermon, and in this sermon, we discover the great, uh-oh. Look with me, please, at verse number 22. He says these words. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. He says, hey, wait a minute, guys. Wait, wait, wait. You got to say that. Jesus of Nazareth. Do you, do you remember Jesus? Now, you can't remember. This is only like, like, you know, this just happened. 
They could still go to the empty tomb. They could still go to Golgotha. They could go places where these things happened. I mean, it was like new news. And so, so he said, you remember Jesus of Nazareth? Oh, yeah, nothing good could be down there. Do you remember Jesus of Nazareth? The, the, the one that, that God did mighty things from? Do you remember this? And they go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, you know what? He, he looked at, hey, hey Joe, Joe do, do you remember that time when like, we were on the hillside and everybody forgot to bring lunch? Do you remember the time, this is Peter talking, this is like in my words, he said, do you remember the fact that Jesus fed like 5,000 men with, with just a little bit of bread and fish? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's the Jesus I'm talking about. And hey, hey, Mary, Mary over here, Mary, do you remember the time that, that we were there and, and Jairus shows up and says his daughter's very sick and the daughter dies and Jesus brings her back to life? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe I'll go here and say, say, hey, Jim, Jim, do you remember when there were 10 lepers? And they were condemned to death because leprosy was, a, leprosy was a fatal disease. And you remember how Jesus just spoke and, and go and they were all healed. Oh, yeah, sure, we remember that. And somebody said, oh, 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 Peter said, do you remember this guy named Lazarus? Remember Lazarus? I mean, he was, you know, there's dead and then there's good and dead. Lazarus was four days good and dead. And Peter said, do you remember that? Oh, yeah, we remember that. And you remember Jesus said, roll the stone away. And everybody said, you really don't want to do that. By now, King James, he stinketh. Jesus said, roll the stone away. He rolled the stone away. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb alive. Guys, you remember that? Yes, 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 yes. Well, that's the Jesus I'm talking about. The, the one where you could go and see the places where all this happened. He said, this is the man I'm talking about. They're going, yeah, we remember this. He really was an incredible guy. And Peter said, you're exactly right. And then he goes down to the next verse. This Jesus, now let me read it in this order. This Jesus, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So, so they go from going, oh, yeah, we remember all the things that Jesus did. We were hungry, and he fed us, and my, and my son was sick, and he healed, and, and he did so much for us. And Peter said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that Jesus, you killed. You crucified through lawless men. That Jesus, you allowed to be first flogged within an inch of his death. That Jesus, you allowed to be hung by a Roman cross, on a Roman cross. That, that Jesus, when Pilate said, what shall I do with him? That Jesus, you spoke and said, crucify him. Hey, and remember when, when Pilate said, should I crucify your king? And remember you said, we have no king but Caesar. This, this guy that did so much good for you, you crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. And they would say, yeah, but we didn't drive the nails. Uh, well, I mean, really like, you know. And Peter was saying, you stood by while it happened. But I got some news for you. He said, this Jesus delivered up. Let these words soak in. According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Peter says you allowed him to be crucified at the hands of lawless men. But you need to understand something. 
It wasn't a mob rule. It wasn't a plan gone bad. It wasn't, oh no, Jesus has been martyred. It was the definite plan according to the foreknowledge of God. Let me just say, I promise you this. If you had been there that day, if you'd experienced that weekend, you'd have said, God didn't show up. Where was God? How could God? Just like some of us express those feelings in our lives. And God, if He could speak that day, would tell you, I'm working my plan. I don't know when the war council was, but I think it was before the foundations of the world. But God in foreknowledge could look ahead and see that the beloved man he was about to create would in fact sin. And, and the fact that the sin was the, had the wages of death. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son, have him strapped on a human body, be born and lived amongst the people, and die on a Roman cross. That they could have forgiveness of sins. Yeah, Peter said, you stood by while they crucified him. But I want you to know something. It was the plan of God. Isn't that incredible? I mean, people often do things to express their love for, for me and Judy and for, and for you. And we're overwhelmed. But can we even get our arms around today a God who would allow himself to be nailed to a cross? A God who would die the most horrible death? How incredible is that? Peter goes on. He says, God raised him up, loosing the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now, now Peter saying, now listen, it's because, it's because of your, your pulling back that, that you helped crucify him in the hands of lawless men. But I want you to know something. Death could not hold on to Jesus. Let me say it again. Death could not, listen, 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 listen. They could pout all of the demons of hell on the chest of Jesus Christ. They could put all the evilness of hell on the chest of Jesus Christ. But nothing, nothing, nothing was going to keep Jesus Christ in that grave because it was not possible. I said over and over again, when I was teaching Elijah to those Africans who suffer so much, I said, you must understand that there is nothing greater than your God. And I want to tell you something. Death is a defeated foe. I know it's not Easter. We'll talk about it again next week. Death is a defeated foe. We have victory through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he may have been crucified. And he may have been mutilated. But death could not keep him down. It was not a possible thing. He goes on and says this in verse number 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain... That God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. And that's the great uh-oh. They, they, they're going through it again in their head. Yeah, we, we saw him. 
We saw him feed the 5,000. We saw him raise Lazarus. We saw him heal people. We saw him open blind eyes. We saw this wonder. And now, oh no, now we've learned, oh yeah, that was Jesus. That's the Messiah. That was the one from the time I was born. My dad told me, Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. Messiah's coming. And I got wrapped up in the crowd. And, and a week before I said, you know, yay, son of Jesus, son of God, son of David, yay, coming to Jerusalem. And, and I got wrapped up in the crowd. And all of a sudden, everybody else was saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And I found myself caught up in the emotional moment. And I too cried out, crucify him. And when I could have stopped it, I didn't. Oh no. Oh. Oh no. And then, God. Jehovah God. The God I have worshipped from the time I was a child. Has made him both Lord and Christ. Oh no. What? Have I done? Uh oh. I'm afraid so often we preachers do exactly that. We leave you hanging with guilt. We leave you hanging with shame. And you leave out these doors going, I'm a failure. I'm nothing but a loser. Oh no. Uh oh. I'm glad. God's message today does not end that way. Paul goes on speaking of Peter in verse number 37. Now, now listen carefully to these words. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. These words of Peter, I'm going to use an old-fashioned word, they convicted, they, the words convicted their hearts. The, the word cut there means to strike. It means to prick deeply. It means to stun. And when, when they started hearing these words about, now remember they had lived this. This wasn't 200 years ago. This was 55 days ago. They had walked through it. They had, they had been part of the crowd that one week welcomed him, thou son of David, come into Jerusalem. And then just a day later, four days later, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. They lived this. And now they're saying, what have we done? And they were stunned at their own ignorance. They were stunned at their guilt. What to God? That people today would once again get stunned, stunned by their guilt. We can't get over the fact. You know why? You know why we can't be stunned with our guilt? We think we're pretty stinking good. Come on, Amen. Isn't it the truth? But Dwayne, now the guy down the road who beats his wife, the the kid at high school who every Friday night sleeps with a different guy or a different girl, and then on Saturday night just for fun goes out and. Those are bad people, but come on! I'm just not bad. I'm just pretty good. Would to God we would understand that when we sin against holy God, we are, first off, we're depraved people anyway. You know, you know the, the Old Testament speaks and says, we, there's none that seeketh after God. There's none that good. No, not one. Would to God we get so broken over sin. That would cut to our heart. And you know what they said? What 
should we do? As a person or as a Christ follower, when's the last time you were so stunned over your sin that you cried out to God, God, what should I do? These men were. When they heard the words of Peter and what they had done to the Christ, they said, what shall we do? And the answer then is the answer today. The answer then is the answer today. Peter says to them, one, repent. There's an old-fashioned gospel word for you. Amen? Repent. Now, now we know repent means. Uh, even the New Living Translation kind of puts it that way. Turn away from our sin and turn toward God. It means to be going this direction and turn around and going this direction. That's repent. But in the Greek, the truest translation is to have a change of mind to think differently. Peter is saying you need to have a different thought of your sin. Not, I'm not that bad. Not that, come on, I'm not as bad as she is. Not that I go to church. Uh, not that I do this or do that. You have a different thought of sin. And that thought is this. I have sinned against a holy God. I don't need a Savior to fix my marriage. I don't need a Savior to make my life better. I, I don't need a Savior so I can join a club. I, I don't need a Savior to, so I can hopefully live up some rules. I need a Savior because I have sinned against God. I don't need to become a Christian so my life will be better. I don't need to become a Christian so that I'll have more things. I, I, I don't need a, to become a Christian so that, you know, I'll you know, have someone to pray to. You need to become a Christian because you're ungodly without Christ. You need to understand that. That without Jesus Christ, we are 100% totally separated from God. The common thing is God is our Father. God is our Father. If you've not become a Christ follower, He's not your Father. I mean, I may say Brent's my daddy, but that don't make him my daddy. i am already got all this money if you remember that sermon. What makes, what makes Brent my daddy... Is for me to come from his loins and for him to adopt me. If I did, could I drive the Challenger? <laughs> is that right? And my friends, if you're here today without Jesus Christ, I want you to clearly understand, and this is not popular, but I want to tell you something. That the Bible clearly teaches that all men are totally depraved. That means spiritually speaking, there's no good in us. I, I can't bring myself to God and say, Oh God, here's what I've got to offer you. And give Him a list of our good attributes. I can't do that. I can't go to God and say, Okay, God, let's bargain. I promise I'll do better. I promise I'll quit this. I'll go to church. I'll give money. We have no bargaining chips. There's not a giant scale that says, I can get somehow get the good stuff on this side and somehow God will accept me. There's no scale. And there's not enough good you could ever put on one side to outweigh your sin. You know what the great news is? Don't need a scale. I need a Savior. And His name is Jesus Christ. 
And to prove he was a Savior, he lived a sinless life. To prove he was a Savior, he died. But to prove he was a Savior, not only was there an empty cross, there's an empty tomb. And Peter would pause now and say, would you like to go? I mean, it's only a half mile from here. They were in Jerusalem. It's only a half mile from here. I can take you where they laid his body. I can take you where the stone is rolled back. And I can show you the slab of stone that still bears the blood stains. But he's not there. He's alive. And it takes a... If you ever want a, a Savior, you need a good one. You need a good one. See... Have y'all heard of that? I'm a little bit tight. Have anybody heard that rumor? Who said that? Mary, now listen. That was a rhetorical question. My, my concept of buying like a weed eater is you go find the cheapest one you can and you use it. It works sometimes. I bought a couple that... I pulled them out of the box and they fired up and sometimes they didn't. But I finally got smart. I talked to Travis. Now, I couldn't get a new one. But one of the brothers hooked me up with a used one. And Preacher Taylor's got himself a steel string trimmer. Yeah, come on now. I'm talking about it. I picked that puppy up and I can feel the power. I don't even have to use it. The weeds in my yard see the orange engine and run for their lives. Now I'm telling you that to tell you this. If you want a good string trimmer, get yourself a steel. But if you want a Savior, get yourself Jesus Christ. Don't you settle for religion. Come on, come on. Don't you settle for religion. Don't you settle for good works. Don't you settle for I'm a badness because none of them will get you to heaven. But Jesus Christ will get you to heaven because He's the real deal. What must we do? We must repent. We must have a change of thinking. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And then He says something that may make you run. I don't know. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Now I can play games with you and tell you the green is true. The word for there can also be translated from the Greek because. Be baptized because of the, the remission of your sins. I mean, come on, we know that baptism doesn't save us. That's not what Peter's saying. But he is saying this, that, that if you truly accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't need baptized, to be baptized to get saved, but you need to make a statement. I mean, back then, if you were a Jew and you got saved, sometimes you lost your head over it. I know it's true in Africa. It's true in China. Peter's saying, if you've got, listen, if you're going to be a Christ follower, it's a serious decision. It's not a prayer you pray and then six weeks later you forget it. It's not a, it's not a prayer you pray for making Jesus your fire escape and then you forget it. He says, no, no, no. You, you, have a, you need to have a change of mind, a change of thinking. And that needs to be symbolically stated as a testimony. I am a Christ follower. Because I'm a sinner. And I know I needed a Savior. And then he says this. 
He says that, that we are to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, do you see what happened today? Do you see how we, do you see how we could do something that we couldn't ordinarily do? In their, their case, they were speaking a language they could not speak. He said, God will give you the power to do things you cannot ordinarily do. Church, that's true today. It's true today. He says, and I'll tell you, if you want to follow Jesus Christ, you need to have a change of thinking about sin and about life. You need to be willing to make a public statement that this boy follows Jesus Christ. You shouldn't have to wear a button on your chest that says, I, I believe in Jesus. Your life and actions should be a testimony to the fact that you are a Christ follower. Not to make yourself better, not to appease God, not to pay God back. But a simple statement, I follow Christ. And then realizing that only one person has ever lived a Christian life, and that was Jesus. That we can't live it, but His power through us can. And he, he goes on and says this. He says, the promise. Now, this is cool. He says, the promise is for you. He said, now, now what I'm talking about, the ability of a Savior to change your life, it's personal. It's for you. But, hey, Mama. Hey, Daddy. It's for your children. Now, y'all's ears that have... Teenagers and stuff, you're should going boop, boop. Because your kids are struggling to live in this world. Kids are struggling today with the meaning of life. Kids are struggling of what life really means. And the best thing, not a thing, the best thing, the best thing you can do for your child is introduce them to the real Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He said, this promise is not just for you. And it's not even just for your kids. But it's for those who are far off. It's Peter's way of saying that this gospel, this good news, this fact that we have sinned against holy God, but God himself allowed himself to be nailed to a cross and paid the price for our sins. And God's wrath was poured out there. And they buried him. He rose again. And he lives today to help us live through us. That's just not for one. That's just not for a family. That's for all men. And that's why North American Missions, and that's why Uganda, and that's why Haiti, and that's why Nicaragua. Listen, we had the privilege of sharing the greatest news ever. There is hope in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no hope in the Baptist faith. There is no hope in being a Catholic. The whole world's excited about Pope Francis. Pope Francis doesn't know the answer, doesn't have the answer, unless that answer is Jesus Christ. There's no power in religion. There's no power in doing good. There's no power in keeping rules. But there's all the power of Christ as we choose to follow Him. It's a promise for you and for your children and for everyone afar off. And then he goes on. He, see, we preachers have a hard time landing the airplane on sermon. You ever notice that? How we say in closing 17 times? And you really wonder which one's the real landing? Well, Peter wasn't done. He goes, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. I want to tell you this. My prayer for you today, if you do not know Jesus Christ, save yourself from this crooked, this sinful generation. 
You want to know why? Judgment's coming. I feel the need to be very blunt. I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how many names you have on Baptist rolls, wherever. I don't care if you count yourself as the best husband or the best wife or whatever. I don't care. The person who dies without Jesus spends eternity separated from God. Jesus did not say he was a way. He did not say he was one of many. He said he was the way. And Peter says, this is your chance. Don't miss it. This is your opportunity. God's speaking to you. You're cut to your heart. You've asked, what shall we do? And I've told you. And the Bible says these powerful words. So those who received his word were in fact baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That day when Peter preached truth, he preached the good news of Christ. And they were cut to their heart. And 3,000 people were saved. How about you? How about you? Our fear in America, and it's a fear that we, you know, Billy Graham said it. I know you trust Billy Graham. And said there's so many people who have made Jesus their fire escape, but they never had a change of thinking. That they wanted to go to heaven, but they wanted to go to heaven without any change in their lives. And I can't find that in the Bible. I mean, again, you don't keep rules to go to heaven, but the Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. How about you? As you've heard the words of Peter today, have you ever been cut to your heart? Has God, is God speaking to your heart right now saying, this is what you need? And never is there a clear formula. Change your thinking. Be willing to make a commitment that has a life change. And you're going to receive that power. And you're not going to, you're not going to have to spend the rest of your life saying, keep the rules, keep the rules. Come on, I think I can. I think I, think I can. I think I can. I think I can. No, we learn to say, Jesus, I can't do this. If it's going to get done, just like my salvation, if it's going to get done, it has to be you. And that's how we have to live our lives. If not, we'll become frustrated Frustrated people. This is our time of decision. And I want to give you the opportunity today. If God has spoke to your heart about your need for a Savior, my brother Brent will be standing down front. And we'll have the pray, praise team come up and, and play and sing for us. And perhaps I'll invite you to sing also. But there is no greater news I can give you this holy week. Next week we're going to celebrate in a wild way. His resurrection. But this week, we talk about good, you know, Thursday, and we talk about Good Friday. And He did it all that we could have forgiveness of sins. Does it work? Well, you know my testimony. I was in church for 21 years. 
if there ever was a man, if there ever was a man who said, I think I can. Let me just try a little harder. I think I can. I was so bent on keeping the rules. And I can't tell you how frustrated I was. I would leave. I would leave Sunday morning. Okay, God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to do better. God, I'm going to do better. And don't go if I didn't turn around and sin. You want to know why? Flesh. I didn't have Jesus. Now, oh, oh so Dwayne, after, after October 20, 1975, did you become perfect? Do you need to ask Judy? No. But you know what? I'm not the same guy I was either. God lets me live a few more years. I may make it a half mile down the road. You know what the half mile is going to be? Learning that I can't do it and only Christ can. Only Christ can. We want to give you that chance. So if you need Jesus, if you need a Savior today, don't go buy one of them off-brand weed eaters. Get you the real deal. Get you Jesus today. I won't try to make a badness out of you. I won't tell you you need to go to church. But I will tell you about a man who loves you so much he died for you. If you need a Savior, his name is Jesus. As Christ followers today, perhaps there's some gunk in our lives. Any other form is the same. If, if Peter had preached on just sin, you know, like for Christ followers and we've fallen in sin, you know what he'd tell us? Repent. No need to be baptized again. But repent and then let the power of Christ live in you. Turn from it. Have a different way of thinking. And let Christ live it through you. The altar is going to be open today. Anything we can do to help you today, we want to do that. I want God to be so real in our lives. I want you to leave here knowing that God, that Jesus is your Savior and that God's your God. As we look forward to celebrating next week, that we have victory through the power of Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you today. Thank you for the privilege of sharing this great news. Oh, Father, if we're here today and we've, we've realized that we need a Savior, would you please give us the courage to come? To come. May we be cut to the heart and then turn to you for the answer of our sin. If my friend here today has never trusted Christ, may today be that very day. Father, for my brothers and sisters and myself, I pray, Father, that we'll see the wonderful plan, how much you've expressed your love for us. And have a dear, dear, deep love for you. Allow you to live through us. Commit it. To love you. Out of gratitude. For what you've done. Thanks God for an incredible day in your house. Please have your wedding invitation time. Right now. In Jesus I pray. In your name. Amen.